Mescalero. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. You get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard and, if anything, inspire our community. Action. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Riding on the Wall podcast. I go by the name of Chris Frizzell. We have Blue Shin in the window building, and today we have a special guest. Everybody give it up for Dwayne Duffy. How you doing, Dwayne? I'm doing great. How y'all doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. So, you made it through the first round, Tribal Council. You're on to the next. How do you feel? Uh, well, I do feel excited. I definitely know it's going to be a challenging race gonna ha- definitely have to make up some numbers there but i'm thankful to be in the general election and that i've made it this far and so we'll just see you know what the next second round brings for me awesome so for those of you that those people that don't know you um you grew up here on the res your whole life i did yes and, and where did you go to school so grew up here in mescalero but i was a redoso warrior so k through 12 i was i went to school in redoso and awesome. then after high school, I went a year at New Mexico State, and then I transferred to Durango, Colorado, to Fort Lewis College, and that's where I got my bachelor's in political science. Nice. Okay. And um, you, you've been on council before, correct? I did. I, was, I had the pleasure of serving on council back in 2010. And, well, I got elected 2010, and so I served 2011. Halfway through the second year, 2012, I got an appointment to serve as the Deputy Secretary of Indian Affairs in Santa Fe. So I didn't get to finish out my term, uh, but I did go to represent the tribe in a different capacity. Awesome. Um, so have you always been into politics your whole life? Or? Um, actually, politics didn't come as become a interest of mine until later in life. I want to say maybe senior, high, senior year of high school, going into college, because it was my senior year when I decided, yeah, I'm going to be going to political science. This is something I wanted to do. I even considered law school, but I, you know, life has chosen a different path for me. And so, you know, I went study political science, got the whole spectrum of politics and, you know, I fell in love with it. And so I've had a passion for it. I've done it. I've had, you know, it's given me opportunity to participate in community engagement, community development, things like that. And um, I've now i work as a firefighter emt and that's always been a passion of mine so Mm -hmm. that was it was like 50 50 what do i want to do and you know i've lived a life that i've gotten to throw my hat in both arenas and i love i love my job and i love when i have the opportunity to work on behalf of the people so that's awesome what made you want to run the first time back in it was 2010 you said it was ran in 2010 yeah okay and so back then um like I said, I had just coming out coming out of college fresh and I was looking at you know to the state of our tribe at that time and um I don't know if you and Blue feel the same way, but I think that we have kind of developed a status quo year after year. We um you hear tribal members, they say they want change, they wish for change. But as long as we're meeting that status quo, it, it, it seems like nobody really pushes back or you know, there's not a whole lot of um, disc- discord uh, within the community. And so when I first ran, I wanted to bring, you know, new ideas to the table, mm-hmm. uh, a new ways of approaching 
the myriad of issues that exist here in Mescalero and and be part of that conversation. And the individuals I got to serve with on the council the first time, a lot of them were older people, mm-hmm. um, like the late Fred Chino, the late uh, Sandra Platero, the late Fred Kaiji, yeah. uh, you know, Alfred LaPaz. And uh, serving with these individuals, it was a great honor of mine. And they really taught me the do's and don'ts and, you know, not to touch that hot stove. They told me, you can't be doing this, you can't be doing that. And I think they provided a, a great foundation to build a political career within the tribe. And so I'm thankful yeah. for that. That's awesome. How was that experience in, in, in the B? So when, when I first got there, um, like I said, I, um, I obviously no, there's nothing that you can really do that specifically trains you to become a tribal council member and uh-huh. to get into tribal politics. It is definitely way different than, you know, out off the reservation. Sure. We deal with the same issues, but I think because we're such a small community, we know one another that sometimes I think, you know, people forget that, you know, business is business and it's not always personal, but you know, they try to throw the personal side in and it's like, hey, you know, this has nothing to do with that. It's just, you know, for the betterment of the tribe and trying to protect the tribal interest and ensure that, you know, future generations are going to benefit from what we're doing today. Mm-hmm. And so coming in and working with these individuals, like I said, I was excited. I was, you know, very uh, a go-getter and um, they taught me as I came in to sit at the table, they taught me you know, slow down. Things have a time, you know, thing. It, it, it takes a little longer to get things rolling here on the res, but we do get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so them grounding me out and in teaching me that patience and then teaching me, you, you know, the do's and don'ts. And this is your role as a council member. This is and this is, you know, where it stops. You know, I think that really benefited me. Um, you know, I look at some council members today and I was like, I don't know if we could be doing that, you know, as a council oh, really? member. Yeah. What, um, so what would you say is, uh, was your biggest challenge when you first ran that time in 2010? So the, the biggest challenge, I think, as I said earlier, um, it's just, you're coming to a new arena and nothing really prepares you for that. And so I, I remember my first couple council meetings, I was, I was a bit timid, you know, and just listening to conversation and, um, how things evolved at the table and the discourse that we had. Sure, we didn't always agree with one another, but it was always very respectful. And we could walk away from that table knowing that, you know, we still respected one another, one another and, uh, you know, we were still friends. And so the biggest challenge, as, as, uh, as I alluded to, is just getting comfortable with it all and, you know, finding my niche within that table. Yeah. And then, of course, working with our council members obviously it's anytime you sit on council no matter when you come in you're always going to play that catch-up game Mm -hmm. and so what have they been talking about what has been you know on the council's table what are they stewing on excuse me and so trying to come up and get yourself up to the same level as they are and get all that information and be caught up to contribute you know a genuine conversation and a good feedback that was always a struggle i see what about what about accomplishment? What was your biggest accomplishment during that time? So um, on, during that at that time, obviously, you know, the big thing that's been hanging over this tribe for a lot of years is the debt that we had incurred with the end of mountain gods. And so at that time, we were going through the first round of refinancing mm-hmm. or actually maybe it was the second round, if I remember correctly. Um, 
But before that, the tribe was paying this debt and the majority of the payments that they were making at the time, it was just going towards the interest. And so we went into negotiations or the council just before me, excuse me, went into negotiations and they had negotiated to where when they make a payment, it was going towards not just the interest, but they could also start paying down the principal. Yeah. And so obviously that was going to benefit our tribe. Otherwise, we'd be stuck paying uh, interest payments for years and years. And we don't want to do that. And so I think being part of that conversation um, and helping to push that tribe in that direction, that's that's definitely an accomplishment that I can look back on. That's awesome. Um, You know, I think when I first came in, uh, Mark Chino was the president and even under his tutelage, we, I was able to learn a lot and, you know, see his style and the decorum at the table while he was president. And then uh, my second term or second year, that's when the late Fred Chino was elected as president and, you know, being able to work with him and just seeing the difference in how individuals operate, you know, that was, that was great. Yeah. Uh. Uh, I was going to say that um, a lot of our discussions that we've normally had in the past, like with other candidates, <clears throat> kind of seem like the the conversation starts off a little slow. But uh, this this conversation really um, got rolling, and and I think that's a huge uh, reflection of already like the experience you already have. I think you're extremely seasoned, um, which which is pretty cool. I like I like to have like different conversations all the way around because you know some of the times we we kind of get in that that habit of making these conversations as like. Uh, what do you think you bring to the table? What, what, what do you think? Why should we elect you? And um, already you kind of already peeled back some of those layers of like what you already bring to the table. You already hit us with experience. You already hit us with the fact that you already learned so much from all these other um, uh, previous tribal councilmen and uh, presidents and stuff. So this is a, this is definitely a unique conversation. I'm glad we're having. Um, what, what would you say that uh, since, you know, you besides experience and what you already talked about, what, what can you bring to the table as far as like um maybe like ideas are you gonna since you already know how that works are you gonna bring an idea right away are you gonna try to fit in or what's your what's your thought process so since i decided to make this run for council there's been a number of issues that i've been stewing on um as i had alluded to earlier with the status quo that i you know has been established here you know i work on this reservation every shift i go out i see the community you know even off off shift and you know, there is so much opportunity to exist here in Mescalero. Um, there is so much that we could do as tribes, as, as a tribe. There's so much that we can do as individuals to help move this tribe forward. Um, you know, my big thing as people, I, as I had conversations with individuals, tribal members, tribal citizens during the primary, you know, when they asked me, you know, what are some of my, um, the some of my focuses in my campaign and the big thing that i you know draw back to you is economic development um right now we have all of our eggs in one basket being the end of mountain gods and during 2020 when everything shut down and we no longer had that revenue steadily coming into our tribal coffers you know it put our tribe in a huge financial bind and if it wasn't for the influx of federal dollars you know the stimulus dollars that came in i think you know we would have had a failure within our tribal government and so to me, that should have been a wake up call. Those alarm bells should have been going and our travel. I think our travel council should have been like, whoa, we have to do more. We have to diversify our tribal economy. We have to start making these investments and not just in tourism. And there's other avenues within tourism that we can explore. But, you know, start looking at things like agribusiness. You know, we have a lot of land here on the reservation that we could be taking advantage of. And 
Um, you look at the east side of the reservation, there's a lot of um, arable land out there that we can start growing crops, cash crops out there. What, you know, whether it's cotton, you know, soybeans. I know uh, people have talked about uh, legalizing cannabis. That could be a cash crop. Hemp. Hemp's legal under the farm bill. And, you know, hemp has it's it, in order for it to be considered hemp, it has to have five percent or less uh, THC in it. And so, you know, that's nothing really. But hemp, they're starting to make a lot of products out of hemp nowadays, and it's becoming a huge cash crop. And I think we as a tribe can cash in on that. Not only can we cash in on those cash crops, but our water rights on the east side of the reservation have not been adjudicated. And so by utilizing the water that's out there, we protect those water rights when it comes time to adjudicate them. We get our fair share or we get a bigger chunk. And so I think, you know, we can make investments investments in there. You look at the Highway 70, and just think about how many cars go up on that highway on a daily basis, a weekly, a monthly, and annual basis. And just think how many millions of dollars are going up and down that highway and, you know, how much of that are we catching? We might catch a few here at the end of the Mountain Gods, but I think we can do more here in Mescalero. There's no reason why we cannot, you know, start planning and lay the groundwork and eventually the foundation of our own Main Street, something that... I don't want to necessarily say compete with Main Street in Redoso, mm-hmm. but bring our own businesses here, our own retail, our own uh, restaurants, and our own, um, uh, you know, lodging, whether it's hotels, motels, or, you know, other resorts. Bring that here to Mescalero and capture more of those revenue dollars, yeah. uh, whether it's through GRT, you know, if the tribe goes into uh, deals with other companies, so there's revenue share, whatever whatever avenue we choose to go down but that's going to bring in revenue to this tribe um as i said when looking at tourism you know we have our gaming and our hotel establishment but there's no reason we can't look at ecotourism Mm -hmm. you know we've talked about um you know doing things like glamping on the reservation maybe opening up mountain biking trails or doing uh you know my my partner and i uh, we hosted a half marathon and we had great attendance for that half marathon but investing in more things like that to bring in you know other customers and so um you know and there's tribe there's there's land that exists on this reservation like you look at the sawmill there's a big piece of property down there that's already been industrial you know considered industrial mm-hmm. and we can fight for contracts to bring in manufacturing jobs and building manufacturing plant down there whether you know it's microchips or what have you right now the united states is making a big push to bring that home microchip processing uh, capability back into the United States rather than relying on Taiwan because of world politics. Eventually, you know, China is going to move to take to take over Taiwan. And if they do that, we're going to lose access to valuable, you know, microchips. So why can't we be looking at trying to get one of those factories here under res? And so, you know, trying to di- doing what we can to diversify our tribal economy uh, to develop more revenue streams. I think it's important, but it's going to become even more important. I don't know if you all pay attention to news or not, but, you know, we are on the cusp of a major recession. Mm-hmm. And once the bubble bursts and we go full-blown recession, what has the tribe done to prepare ourselves? You know, where are we sitting at? You know, are are we going to expect to see a lot of our social services cut because, you know, we're not generating that revenue? You know, you look at the inflation, the way it exists here in the United States, Right now, that dollar is not going as far as it used to. Yeah. And, you know, things are just getting more more expensive. So 
I think we need to start acting now to diversify our travel economy, to bring in new business, to bring in to develop new revenue streams, but also to prepare this tribe in case that recession does hit. I you know, see. how are we going to continue to be successful and make money in a recession? There are businesses that exist out there where you can, you know, continue to make money. But we we will that you know being one voice at that council table, you'd have to have that conversation with everyone there and come to a consensus. This is the way we want to move forward. Um, the other thing, you know, I've talked about with individuals is sure. We have a lot of our, our resources tied up with the end of a mountain gods, financial resources, you know, aside from that, what is the bonding capacity of this tribe? How much debt can we occur as a tribe to finance some of these other, you know, avenues in economic development? Mm -hmm. If, if we can, you know, through bonds or what have you, start building a main street or start bringing in manufacturing, you know, what what kind of um, deals exist out there for this tribe uh, to take advantage of and what uh, those financial resources that we can leverage in order to bring these businesses in. Um, you know, there are, there are financial resources that we can take advantage of and leverage that exists within the USDA rural development programs. And there's other programs, you know, whether it's through the um, U.S. Uh, Department of um, Agriculture, um, even through HUD, there's mm -hmm. there's businesses. Um, but looking very broad uh, spectrum, seeing what's available, seeing what's going to fit with our needs here, and then you know pursuing those those financial leads and trying to leverage them to our benefit. You know, those are things that I want. You know, I would like to concentrate on. Um, because I think if we set ourselves up uh, and become very financially stable, we have new revenue streams coming in, we've diversified our economy, then we can start to address issues with our infrastructure, with our housing situation. You know, the last I heard, and it might even be worse now, but the last numbers that I saw, and this was might have been like in 2016, we have a shortage of at least 400 homes. Mm -hmm. And... And so it tells you that for a long time with whatever, you know, past tribal councils have been doing, whatever past uh, directors at our housing department have been doing, they haven't been doing enough to keep up housing construction, keep that on pace with population growth. Mm -hmm. And so now we're at a point where, you know, there everybody knows somebody who's waiting for a house, who needs yeah. a house. And we all know that, you know, banks on the outside, they're not going to lend to a tribal member to build a home, to purchase a home because they can't, you know, foreclose on that property. Mm -hmm. that, you know, that property still belongs to the tribe. Um, yes, there are avenues that exist for that to happen, but most banks, you know what, I just don't want to deal with it. We, you know, we can't do that. Um, but if we, we are able to establish our own revenue streams and these are tribal dollars, we can start to build our own homes. And... If the tribes building these homes, you no longer have the um, the restrictions that HUD imposes on their homes when it comes to income. Uh, you know, you hear a lot of people say, "Well, I went down to apply for housing, or I tried to apply for this this type of assistance, and they told me I make too much." Um, you know, here on the reservation, yes, we have those individuals who are struggling and they need the help, and you know, they need those homes. But we have a large majority of our population that I consider middle class. You know, mom, dad are working. 
and you know they're providing for their kids or paying for their bills but it's still not enough they mm-hmm. still you know deserve some type of service and so telling them like oh i'm sorry we can't do this for you because you make too much money i think is bull um if we're able to build our own houses we can start to cater to these families to these growing families to this growing middle class on the reservation and give our tribal members the opportunity if they want to whether do it at least to own or at least you know rent to own or even take on like a mortgage and buy this house from the tribe so it becomes their house and their property and i think if people if our tribal citizens if they have that opportunity and it exists i think you know they're going to do a lot more to you know care for their home and keep that in a very livable condition um they're going to be proud of it you know Mm -hmm. because that's going to be their home at some point and i i i want to see us as a council as a tribe do more to provide service to a broader spectrum of tribal citizens on the reservation instead of you know just those at the bottom yeah that that's awesome wow you said you said a lot (laughs) my uh my my brain's like melting right now there's there's so many things that i wanted to jump in on and it's, oh, I'm sorry. Like, no, no, no. If, it's, if you want to say anything, just, just give me the high side or something. No, it's perfect. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to interrupt like any of that thought process, but um, I think they're, they're like, I don't know. To regather all the all my steps and retrace all my steps, like going back to the beginning, um, I think I was looking at, I've been paying attention to a lot more like wealth and stuff lately. I've been talking to Chris and um, we've been talking about like wealth and, and forms of income, right? And, um, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is like you do need like multiple forms of like income. And I think like hit hit that one on the nail. Like I don't need to go over it. But if, you know, I, I'm not saying like anyone in tribal council doesn't like focus on these things. But um, I, I see you obviously have like a, a strong drive for that. And I think that's like definitely something we need. Uh, somebody told me once before that um, the reservation kind of like more operates like a, a communistic um, environment. And I think that's probably what, what concerns me the most is like like you're saying, like um, somebody says that, that we make too much and stuff, but we always want to look out for like everyone. And we're like, well, we, we got to build these houses and look out for the people who really aren't making that much. But it really like it's a huge stab in the heart because just like you said, um, the people that are doing well, like maybe they're not like doing like, well, but they're doing well enough for, for them to be told like they make too much and stuff like that. Um, that's that's hard and it's a hard it's a hard pill to swallow I think and a lot of people get bitter they're working very hard and just it, like you said it's still not just enough but if you um, start like turning like all these resources over for people to like work for I think that gives us like a great drive and a great motivation to do for, do better for ourselves it's like you know in our own community since we, we service ourselves and we give out our own money we have our own stores we're trying to become independent but um, we still yet rely like a lot on the outside we're in this like weird little like situation as far as like an economy goes for a reservation but like i think that idea is amazing to have people work for a better house and like a mortgage and stuff like that and um maybe kind of like break away from some of those communistic tendencies and when i was told that i was kind of freaking out a little bit i was like wait are we a commun- communist are we it's kind of true we, we well i mean i wouldn't necessarily uh, you know say communist when you look at the structure of our tribe and just tradition you know, we our tribe, we come from a very matriarchal society. So meaning the women, you know, have always been in charge. But in the old days, it has always been like the responsibility of everyone to help one another, to take care of one another. And so that has just kind of filtered, filtered through. It's not being, you know, not we're not communists in a sense that um, 
you know, you're making a lot of money. We're going to take that. We're going to redistribute that to people who don't have that. No, we, we are, you know, I, I would almost say, you know, we're more on like, you know, we're very communal, communal in our approach to how we look at things here on the reservation. It's very different from the outside. Um, um, and so when you say communists, I'm like, yeah, no, no, no. I, you know, there are a lot of social programs that exist on this reservation that cater to all of us. And sometimes those, those programs are geared more to those on the lower spectrum of the, um, financial scale. And so that's why I, I talk about wanting to do more and support the, that middle class. Um, but I think it's just not, not only like tribe wide, but even in, within our families, I think it's always like, how are you doing? Do you need help with anything? You know, where can I step in and, you know, give you some assistance? It, that's just the way of our tribes always been. And I think it's going to be going forward. Um, I know, you know, you look at some of the programs. I know you, you had touched about, you know, we pay out our own money. Um, dividend come, comes paying out dividend. I believe that comes with great responsibility. Um, you know, we paid out as long as the tribe is thriving economically. And, you know, it's every tribal member's right to participate in the economic success of this tribe. You know, that's stated in the Constitution. Um, but the way I look at it, it doesn't, you know, tribal members participating in the economic success of this tribe, I don't necessarily think translates into paying out dividend. That could be a new home. Mm-hmm. That could be, you know, clean drinking water, updated infrastructure. Yeah. That could be, you know, new business development because, you know, you look, you look at dividends and yes, it helps people, but it's, it's short-term help, you know, yeah. it's short-term investments. Which, and if we're able to make those long-term investments by building those homes, updating infrastructure and diverse, you know, bringing in new, new businesses, diversifying the economy, that is going to benefit our people long-term and, you know, generations down the line. Yeah. And, and it's, I hate to say like, you're going to like lose some support by saying we should take away a dividend and move it to something else but who knows who knows how people feel today but that that is well, a tough I mean, one and like i said that's an idea out there and i think that if we have open dialogue with our tribal members and as a council say okay here's a strategic plan for the next five years this is what we are going to accomplish in year one two three four and five in order to get there, we are all going to have to make sacrifices. And part of that sacrifice might be A, B, and C so we can achieve X, Y, Z. But having those frank, open discussions with our tribal membership, letting, ensuring that they know what's going on, the direction this tribe is moving, I think you're going to find a lot of support for people who would want a house rather than, you know, a dividend for a weekend or for a week. Um, I'm not going to say that's everybody, but, you know, I think those are conversations that we have to have. I could just um, hear somebody in the general meeting right now, leave our dividend alone. <laughs> you know, that, that that will definitely happen. There are people of that opinion. But given given our tribal membership, that opportunity to have that dialogue, to have that discussion in a respectful manner, you know, I think, you know, whatever decision happens at that time, you know, at least we've made it as a tribe rather than just a small, small group of people. That's true. Um, and I think that goes for everything that we do on this on this reservation. If this tribe is going to start pursuing any type of major economic uh, development, let's have that conversation with our tribal members. Maybe they maybe the majority of them don't agree with it. And if it's something that controversial, let them vote on it. And that way it's the tribal members who make that decision. And it, like, again, it's not just a small group of people. Yeah. But 
you know, I having think, that having that conversation, that dialogue there is important. I think that's, that's the key right yeah. there. Um, ha- having dialogue with like the community if you can. Um, you know, like everyone talks a lot about what our tribal council should do for us, and I voted for you, and you should do this for me, and stuff like that. But I don't think we involve any of the, the community community enough to like know. But is it like feasible to do votes on like issues like that? Is it like I know it can be done, but um, why do you know why we don't do that already? You know, I I can't speak for the mentality that exists, you know, with past um, tribal councils when it came to some of the big decisions, like like the inn, for example, when they made a decision to tear down the old inn and build a new one, you know, why something like that wasn't put to the tribal membership. But I think that at any point, you're going to put tribal memberships that are alive now and those generations to come on the hook for you know, $200 million, that is something that needs to go to the, the tribal citizens for a vote. Mm-hmm. And um, they should have a say in that because, you know, we look at the situation that we are in now, you know, it's been what, about 10 years now? For what? Since they built a new casino. Oh, it's, it's, since 2005. Was 2005. Yeah. So over almost coming up on 20 years, yeah. but we're still dealing with the debt from that $200 million. And when they first signed the, those bonds for that two hundred million dollars, they signed they signed it at a twelve point nine percent interest rate, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. You know why would why would anybody do that? Um, I mean, I understand the situation at the time. You know, the tribe moved forward. They they we they emptied their coffers and they were kind of backed into a corner. And so the council made a decision they they thought was appropriate at the time. But I still. Something like that should have gone to our tribal citizens to have voted on. Is that um, is that like bad? Like amongst like, um, have you seen like other, uh, maybe I don't know reservations or have you seen other deals like that? Like where they had to like refinance like a business like that. I mean, is that I, was that like really like a bad bad deal for us? So it, when you look at it, and as I said, we're almost twenty years now and we're still dealing with it, and um, we've had a small. I want to say about fifty well maybe like 38 million dollars something something around there of that converted into bank debt so we're paying that down but we still have a hundred million dollars that are being held by bondholders um i think that when you when you look across the country um you know there are other tribes who have found themselves in very similar situations and they have found themselves not being able to pay back these bonds and they've lost you know businesses there are other tribes who have taken a very methodical approach to the whole thing and ensured that they had that cash on hand, that capital on hand that they could leverage and, you know, better protect their tribe. You know, I look at our situation and the the more that we can transfer from bonds into bank debt, the better it's going to be for our tribe because we do get those, we get a better interest rate uh, and we're able to pay that down, you know, and plus divert more to the tribal coffers for funding tribal programs, tribal departments. And so, you know, obviously we can't just wipe that debt off. It's, you know, it's held by private investors and we're going to have to make a uh, concerted effort to pay that off. But if we diversify our economy, you know, it's going to give us new revenue streams and we might be able to pay that off a lot sooner. Or we can, if it's just a tribe, you know, tribe tribal revenue, we can use that to supplement you know program funding tribal department pro, uh, funding and be able to serve the tribal citizens you know in different ways yeah. but you know you say whether or not you ask the question whether or not it was a bad deal for the tribe i say yes it was a bad deal i think there should have been more thought that went into it 
I just wondering, like, like compared to like, is that like twelve point five percent? Is like on a comparison, like, do people make deals like that? Like, on, on two hundred million dollars? No. If you have the cash on hand, you have, um, you have assets on hand to, you know, that you can leverage. You, you know, you could get deals down up to like six point nine, seven point two. You know, on mm-hmm. that lower, almost half of what we were paying in interest, mm-hmm. and so. Um, yeah, twelve point nine percent on two hundred million dollars is is mm. is quite bad. <laughs> wow. What um, so, uh, I think this is like a pretty popular uh, concern. A lot of people like to bring up like the debt and how we're handling it and all this stuff like that. Um, do you happen to know like what we owe, like what's left on it? Um, well, I know that um, must have been just before COVID hit, so like two thousand nineteen. Um, we had still a hundred and. 30 some odd million dollars that you know we had left to pay and that uh 30 some odd million dollars that was all uh transferred into bank debt mm-hmm. and so they've been paying that down um you know and working with a bank out of albuquerque and and you know at a very very low interest rate um so that there's still 100 million dollars approximately that hangs out there that's still in bondholders hands and so hopefully once we get this um 30 some odd million dollars paid off that is bank debt we could be able to convert more of that 100 million dollars if not all into bank debt and you know get that paid off and that'll free up more financial resources for this tribe but it'll also cut the uh the amount of time that we have to pay that off you know probably in half mm-hmm. as oh, do you think like anyone like has these conversations like with with the end like do we um do you think that people don't already like talk about it and stuff? You know, as far as uh, tribal citizens, tribal employees, you know, I I would venture to say the majority of them do not know the specifics. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they I think everybody has heard rumor and, you know, so that off that rumor, they speculate on where we're sitting at and what the actual debt looks like. And so they, they probably have conversations. I know that within our tribal administration with you know the management board that it's always it's always a you know sitting there on the stove boiling and that they're always taking a look at okay what what are the next steps what do you what do we have to prepare for Mm -hmm. which is which they need to do rightly so um but you know my fear is you have people who are on council or who may be elected to council who have no uh no prior experience in business um and so you're throwing numbers out there you're throwing these interest rates you're throwing everything and how much is how much of this information is actually truly being com- uh, comprehended is you know sometimes you wonder and uh, when it comes time to make a decision you know it's just like i'll you know i'm just voting yay yeah. you know and do you do you understand what goes behind that vote and what you know the discussion that has occurred today and i you know i'm not saying that's everybody mm-hmm. there, there 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 are i do have concerns whether or not everybody comprehends those conversations and you know that that's one of the reasons why i'm running because i want to be part of those conversations and lend you know my experience working within the state and dealing with mil- millions of dollars going out to tribal communities and ensuring that they're being spent appropriately and, you know, tr- tribes are leveraging those dollars appropriately and, you know, bring my experience and bring my questions to the table so that we can better protect this tribe. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think that 
people have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I think it, you know, at the top level, I think they, they, hopefully that they are all on the same page when it comes to decisions being made about the debt. But as far as you know, everybody else, I think we make assumptions based on the very limited information that we that comes out, and whether or not that information is trustworthy. You know, like I said, there's a lot of rumors out there, mm-hmm. and so I know that there are some people who. We'll take the first thing that they hear, like, oh, my God, that's the truth. That's gold. Like, no, come on. Like, yeah. uh, unless we hear it, we see it black and white, we can't just pick it up and go run with it, you know? With uh, with that conversation, it, it gets pretty sticky and stuff. And um, I I think if you do go in and, and you, you take the same passion that you have, like, for, like, that truth and that honesty about the numbers, I think if you can, maybe it'd be more beneficial for everyone to, like, put all the information out in public and be like, look, this is what we owe. This is how we're handling it. I can't imagine. And this is hard. I mean, I don't know anything about this. Uh, that's why I'm asking like all, all these questions about it. But it's hard for me to swallow that. We're kind of just like floating around, not knowing the numbers. We're just like, oh, I don't understand. I'm going to vote yes. You know, that's a lot of money. Um, I thought like in my head, maybe there was someone out there who we did business with, who we trust. Um, maybe somebody who does analyze the numbers and does explain it in layman's terms, because I think $200 million is just like too much money to not understand what you're doing with. So I was like thinking like there has to be a process or there has to be like someone there who knows what's going on, you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of nerve wracking. If, if, if people don't know exactly how that money's being handled, then we are in, in, in deep trouble. But I, I just, I don't know. I hope that's not the case. Well, I mean, any any type of decision that is going to be undertaking, uh, you know, say considering the debt, there are always experts in the room, right? And you know, the tribe has always engaged experts on our behalf. Of course, anybody that we are working with will engage experts on their behalf, and it's tr- you know coming to an agreement and you know hashing out you know fine details that you you know we're we're trying to protect our own interests. They're trying to protect their own interests and. You know, I think, uh, you know, we have our general counsel who's always been like, well, wait a minute, let's consider X, Y, and Z uh, before you, you know, vote yay or nay on this. Um, if if they didn't have the expertise in, in a particular issue, then we'd bring in outside counsel mm-hmm. who, you know, this is their bread and butter, you know, these type of deals, and they would go through it. Okay, tribe after reviewing contracts, reviewing agreements, here is our recommendation. So they do bring in those experts mm-hmm. um, to give that information to our tribal council. And then, you know, our council, you know, will vote on it. But, you know, as I was saying earlier, I, you know, I wonder how much comprehension exists at the table and how much discussion actually uh, takes place, whether or not there's debate on any issue, you know, that is brought, you know, cons- you know, back then looking at the $200 million, what type of debate did occur at that table and you know what were the concerns that were leveled leveled at that time and um you know i don't know it it would have been awesome um and i you know and and it just brings me up to another point you talk you know i was talking about being transparent and getting the information out to our general sit or to our uh, tribal citizens and you know giving giving them a say in the whole process especially when it comes to these major decisions um You've heard it. I've heard it. You know, people talk about it all the time. You know, we don't know what's going on. You know, the council doesn't give us any information. There needs to be a general meeting or, you know, what have you. Um, and so one of the things that I've been a big proponent of for a long time is a very 
open meetings and being very transparent with everything we do. Um, you know, the tribe had undertaken a whole strategic planning uh, process back in, I think it was 2020, the latter part of 2020, early 2021, or actually, I'm sorry, it was 21 up into 2022. Sorry. So it kind of wrapped up at the beginning of this year. But, you know, we had all the tribal directors there were took part in this. You know, we had they had very great conversation uh, that ranged from topics on economic development to, uh, you know, cultural preservation and, you know, language preservation. And then, of course, one of the topics that we did hit on was the whole communication aspect and being transparent and the council did take part in this and you know without implementing that strategic plan you know the tribe right now doesn't have a roadmap you know we there's nothing that our tribal citizens can hold the council to and say where are you guys that are in this plan because the strategic plan in itself has these benchmarks that the tribe has to meet within you know these time frames and if if they were able to pass a strategic plan, our tribal citizens are able to hold us as council members, you know, accountable to that. I think we're going to see a lot of forward progression. But part of that, uh, getting back to what I was saying, but part of that strategic plan is the whole communication aspect. And so I've been a big proponent of that whole transparency and being open to the public. Well, right now our tribal council chambers, they're not conducive to having the huge public meetings. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, a very quick fix, which I think can be implemented immediately is why aren't, why don't we live stream those meetings? Yeah. You know, give each um, tribal member a username, password that they can log on in a very secure website that, and they can, you know, watch the uh, meetings and maybe at the end, be able to type a question that, you know, they the council can take, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes at the end to answer some of these questions that are coming in. But that'll give more of our people the opportunity to be participants in this whole process. Eventually, it is my dream that we be able to build a proper council chambers that allows for gallery seating. So mm -hmm. we have tribal members that are sitting there and, you know, they, they observe the proceedings. They see how council members are voting, you know, who's actually engaging in conversation, who's, you know, you know lending their voice to the debate on whatever's being presented. Um, you, uh, I'm pretty sure you guys have heard it. I've heard it. You know, there are council members who, you know, all they do is vote and, you know, they don't really say anything and, you know, they just take a vote and that's pretty much their the extent of their participation in council. Yeah. I think anybody who sits at that table, they have a responsibility and a duty to contribute to the conversation, to, you know, bring their concerns or, you know, whatever the pros and cons are, bring those out and have have meaningful discussion and debate on whatever's at that council table, no matter what the what, what it is, you know. Yeah. Um you know, I think that we don't do our tribal membership any good if we're just there to take a vote. Yeah. We, we have to do more than that. Um, general meetings are great. If we're, you know, um, as council members, we shouldn't even be uh, afraid to engage our tribal members and, you know, engage in discourse with them. As long as, as long as it's respectful, you know, the one thing that I don't want to see is we have a general meeting and then it devolves into this, into chaos to where it's a screaming match. And, mm -hmm. you know, not everybody is there to see things like that. Um, we've had council meetings in the past where we were able to get the information to our tribal citizens and then have that Q and A afterwards. And, you know, it lent to, I think it lent itself 
with the atmosphere being as respectful as it was, it lent itself to doing more good for the tribe than bad. You know, and I've also seen the other end of the spectrum where it just evolved into chaos and people were yelling and, you know, they were screaming. And that just puts everybody, you know, in in a very uneasy setting. It doesn't and it doesn't do any good for us. You know, we've we we have always been traditionally we have always been able to disagree to have that discussion and still walk away, you know, respectful of one another. Yeah. Um, and so as I think that general meetings are a good, good idea as long as, you know, we keep that conversation respectful and keep it meaningful and ensure that we're being as counsel, that we are being transparent with everything that's being presented. I, I know that they send out letters every once in a while, but, you know, not everybody takes the time to read that. So I don't think that's a very um, effective way of communicating. Um, but the you know live streaming and then eventually building those council chambers so that people yeah. can be a part of it, I think you know that's the way to go. What would it take to get all the ball rolling on all that? Like, does the does the council have to agree on it, all of them, to have that? So okay, so you, what will it take to get the ball rolling? See, so right now, um, you know, as I said, the tribe has no roadmap. Uh-huh. We have we have no guiding document, nothing that. As a council, we are united behind and moving forward in this one direction. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so it, it's just we're just kind of floating out there and, you know, we're putting out fires as they pop up. But we need to be more proactive and be doing things to prevent those fires popping up. Mm-hmm. And so one of those things is having some type of plan in place, whether, you know, like the strategic plan. Yeah. Because then if the council is able to get on board and they agree, okay, for the next five years, this is what we are going to pursue. This is what we want to see be developed on the reservation. Then, you know, we, we are all behind it. If council members come and go, you bring them up to speed. This is the guiding document. Obviously any document that is put in place, adopted and put in place, it's going to be a very uh, fluid document, a living document. So it can be adjusted and changed as we move forward. Yeah. And so it's not like something that is set in set in stone. Like, no, we can't di- divert from this. No, it's, it's a living document. You can always add to it. You can change it to, you know, adapt to whatever's going on at the time. But having something like that in place to guide this tribe that we can all unite behind and, you know, we're all working towards the same goal, I think is important. Okay. So, like live streaming our first first meeting, first meeting in, of the tribal council, how would that work? Well, what is it going to take to do that? So, I don't, I, I don't think it's going to take too much. It's just be um, leveraging the ex, the IT expertise from the Inner Mountain Gods. Yeah. We, you know, we may have to set up a um, a new site, a new website, which they do have expertise that, to do that. Yeah. But ensuring that it has very robust security and. Um, you know, send working with our tribal census office, uh, you know, Crystal Lester to, you know, get everybody assigned a unique username and password. And, you know, right now they've done a lot to improve the tra- council chambers. It's become a very smart council chamber. So there's a lot of um, electronics that exist in there for yeah. like live uh, webcasting. You know, um, it, it has those capabilities now. So, at least on the getting the equipment and getting ready to go live, that that wouldn't take a lot. But as I said, we'd have to leverage the expertise of the you know mountain gods or even a third third party company to bring bring them in to set up the website to ensure we have robust security to protect all the users, the information, and then getting it to go live. I, I know it can be done. I guess the question I meant was um, why why don't aren't they doing it now? Do you think so? Um, I can't. 
I can't answer, uh, you know, with any type of firmness on why they yeah. aren't doing it. I can only speculate. Uh-huh. And I think, you know, and this is just my opinion. This is my thoughts. I think people have gotten very comfortable with taking votes behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. And then being a being being able to deny that vote outside of chambers. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I think if we are able to live stream it and eventually have those in-person meetings with the general public, I think that's going to hold our, our, our tribal leaders accountable. Yeah. And any vote that they take is going to, ha- is going to force them to be in a position that they have to defend that vote, whether it's yay or nay. And you know why you're voting a certain way, mm-hmm. um, rather than, um, just being a bump on a log and yay, nay, yay, nay. Um, and I think that it, it will also give our tribal membership a good opportunity on to see what individual council members are like and how they perform at the table when you're discussing certain, to- certain topics. So. That's awesome. Um, you talked about a lot, but um, do you have any main goals if elected? Well, I, as I said, the big my big main goal is, you know, the uh, whole economic uh, development diversification push. so is there anything specific i know that there's been talks like a dairy queen in the past and things like that well, is there I, anything- I, I, yeah there, there was a talk of you know the former administration wanting to move forward with the construction of a dairy queen which um you know it's a great start it's yeah. something that we haven't had here it's something new um i think that um looking down and going back to the strategic plan that was developed by the directors and the council and the economic opportunities that exist there I think there are half a dozen that we had discussed that could get get off the ground and get going real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a couple count, uh, campgrounds. We have Eagle Creek and we have uh, Silver Lake. Um, and there's no reason that we can't take any of these campgrounds and, you know, set up uh, something similar to glamping. I don't know if you guys have heard of the term no. glamping. Huh. It's kind of like um, a more high end, like camping. So, like, like a little like high a end, high end experience, and oh, yeah. um, you know, like setting up teepees and giving these people mm-hmm. an opportunity to spend a night in the teepee, and you know, cool. cook cook at a fire, and you know, things like that, and you know, charging them. And there are people who eat that kind of things up, you know, yeah. especially when you throw that cultural aspect in it. And so, we could set these type of enterprises up, you know, at both campgrounds, and you know, start to generate a lot of revenue that way. Yeah, um, you know, not everybody whenever they come up to the mountains not all everybody uh you know tows their rv along you know and not everybody wants to stay in stay in just a rinky-dink tank tent so if you um give them an opportunity for that glamping experience that'd be great um investing in and bringing in um, mountain bike racing you know um uh you know cross-country races things like this um, you know, we have very beautiful land on this reservation. We have a huge reservation, you know, just under half a million acres, roughly 265 square miles, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have such diverse climate here and very diverse terrain that is, exists on this reservation. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of it. You should be proud of it. And it's something that I think we can do more to show off. Yeah, um, yeah I know that there are people out there like, oh, well, we don't want all these non-natives out there. But if we're, if, you know, if we are holding, like, say, um, these mountain bike races or even uh, motocross races, you know, once or twice a year and, you know, you have very strict parameters on, you know, where these race courses are going to be and, you know, everybody's in and out by a certain time. I think that one that's going to generate revenue for this tribe, but we're also going to do a lot to protect 
our, our, our natural resources and keep that, you know, non-tribal foot traffic down to a minimum. But, nice. you know, I mean, I don't see it as any different than, you know, these hunters, outside hunters coming in, getting their hunting permit and being able to drive all over the place, you know? I see. Um, so, you know, those are just a couple ideas that, like I said, you can get off the ground right away. Um, I I would have to refer back to the strategic plan itself to uh, to speak more in depth about some of the other di- ideas that we were able to come up as a group. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, having that document, I think it's going to be very important. Okay. That's yeah, awesome. you're definitely a pioneer with the with the ideas and increasing like the uh, the revenue streams and stuff. And um, I, I I'm, I'm all about it. I'm all about increasing um, you know money for the tribe. Money for the tribe is always good. I think there's a there's a few things in there that I would be a little nervous about, like maybe like sharing our culture and stuff like that. We we have to tell like a fine line of like uh, I would be I would be nervous like if you're like let's glamp and put them in tippies and stuff like that. I'll be like, these guys, you know, I always worry about being disrespected. We have a form of, we have a culture sometimes that I think has been so um, near and dear to our hearts. I think a lot of people are trying to keep it like sacred, which is understandable. Um, I'd be a little bit um, hesitant to exploit it for for a little bit of revenue, but um, I see what you're, I see what you're saying. Like people would, would spend money to like get that experience. But uh, I just, I get nervous sometimes. And like you said, uh, hunters do have that, they can drive up and down the road sometimes and that is that's a concern also like we have a great thing we have a great thing and part of me wants to use it all to make money but the other part's like i don't want anyone to mess up what we have you know oh yeah yeah that's tough. and uh, trust me I, I i agree with you at no point will i ever want to exploit our culture to make that revenue but i there are certain certain aspects i should say like you said like I said, camping in that teepee, having that glam- glamping experience and, you know, being able to pre- prepare your meal, you know, out uh, over an open flame. Those are things that, you know, I don't think that, you know, we expose too much of the sacredness or of our traditions, you know, when you do things like that. Oh, okay. I mean, there are aspects of our culture that I believe that are reserved only for us as tribal members. Mm, you know? I think I and, misunderstood you, you know, a little bit. And so... I, I don't at all propose going out there saying these, these are the medicines, this is how you prepare it. No, mm-hmm. not nothing like that. Oh, you know? okay. It's just, you know, giving them the opportunity to sleep in the in a teepee under the stars, you know, you know, cook, cook a meal over open fire. Um, but as far as the tradi- very traditional aspects of it, that's something that I would never mm-hmm. advocate on, you know, mm-hmm. generating revenue over or, you know, using it as a way to make money what would be um the main question or concern you keep getting from tribal members right now in 2022 so um it, it really depends on the age of the individual we oh. you know a lot of our the, a lot of the younger vo- voters their big concern is you know opportunity um opportunity for housing opportunity for you know jobs uh-huh. and i think that um if we do a lot and we start moving in the direction of a diversifying economy, I think it's going to provide more opportunities for jobs, going to provide more ladders to climb and, you know, propo- uh, promote individuals. It's just, you know, where, where are we going to focus our resources? And so opportunities when it comes to young younger people, ensuring that there are enough opportunities, uh, you know, for them to advance themselves in life. And then when I'm uh, uh, talking with our older gen- generation, um, a lot of them had expressed concern with, and we were just talking about tradition, had expressed concern with the way tradition is changing. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, our 
a lot of older people had mentioned to me, um, you know, people are singing Ghanaian songs or singing, um, you know, the medicine songs, teepee songs in areas they shouldn't be singing it. Oh, really? So, you know, um, not everybody agrees that these songs should be sang, you know, you know, at funerals and things like that. And, mm. um, you know, that they're reserved for something totally different. Um, and it's, you know, when you talk about tradition and culture, I, I find, you know, there are things that all of us have been taught and, you know, that we all like, okay, no, you don't do that. That's taboo. You know, that's okay. But I have also found that as I live through life, you know, depending on which family you come from, you know, things are, are different. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not, we're, we're not all taught the same, you know, some people are taught that no matter what owls are bad, yeah. you, know, you have nothing to do with them. Others are taught, no, they're, they're just messengers and they bring a message. Some, you know, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes, you know, it, it could be a good message. Um, but they're a messenger. The, you know, the animal itself in itself is not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, when they come nine out of 10 times, that message is, you know, a bad one. And so they, people just associate that negative with a negative and negative. And so, okay, that's bad. So just depending on, you know, which family you come from, you could be very, you could have a, a different variation on, you know, some of the traditions. Yeah. Um, but like I said, going back to, you know, what, some of the older people were saying it's just the it's changing it's not the way the way things are done nowadays isn't the way they were done in their days so as a as a council member what are they wanting you to to do about it so i think um as a council as a council member you know from my conversations and what i had gathered is they want this to be a conversation that is brought up mm-hmm. that we discuss not just as council, but as a community, yeah. you know, and um, there's a group of individuals out there who have started meeting and they're kind of like the old traditional counselors, even though they don't call themselves traditional counselors, but they're older, older tribal members who go out, they meet once a week and they discuss, you know, uh, you know, some of the traditional aspects and, you know, what, we could be doing to preserve our language, what we can be doing to, you know, pass that tradition on to our younger generation. Yeah. And which I think it's a great idea. Um, you know, there's a lot of knowledge that exists within our elders that I think we need to be leveraging and we need to be learning so that we can, we can preserve that and keep that tradition intact. Um, and so, you know, being able to engage this, this group of individuals, I totally forget what they call it. Uh, what they call themselves, but being able to engage them and then have that community wide discussion and like, look, um, this is the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when you're doing X, Y, and Z, a lot of our older people don't really agree with that. So where can we have that middle ground, Okay, you know, just having that conversation. Um, and I think that there, I shouldn't say, I think I know that there are, you know, tribal members out there who they don't, they don't know what's going on. They don't know what happens at feasts. They don't know understanding the meaning of the songs that are sung by the dance groups or even the medicine man, you know, um, they go there and they see what's going on, but the significance of, you know, different aspects of the girl's dress, different, different aspects of, 
you know, what exists within our Gaia. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't they don't know those things. But and so obviously, if you don't know, you, you don't know when you're doing something good or when you might be doing something, you know, bad. Yeah. So being able to have an avenue to have those discussions and hear from our older people, this is the way it needs to be, be uh, you know, to teach us younger people. So that way we can pass it down and continue to keep those uh, traditions sacred and continue to keep them thriving. You know. I see. And he said the younger the younger people were asking an opportunity more. Was it more job opportunities or what? So it's just opportunity across the board. Um, you know, opportunity to have more to have better access to after school programs, okay. summer programs. You know, opportunity for more um, not more jobs, but different jobs different different ways for individuals to promote themselves and to climb the um the workforce ladder you know in in order to raise themselves and their family up and so how, um, how would you say we go about that to to do that so and as i was saying earlier a call comes back to doing more to diversify our tribal economy bringing in new new um businesses and you know we don't necessarily have to just rely on tur- the tourism industry. Like I said, we can bring in, uh, you know, manufacturing jobs. Yeah. We can uh, bring in uh, accounting jobs. Just, just doing more than what we're doing now. Right mm-hmm. now, we're not doing anything. Yeah. You know, um, I've grown up on this res for you know, pretty much all my life, except for the time that I lived in, in Durango, Colorado, when I was in college, and then when I was in Santa Fe. But I can say that from today back to say 2010 nothing has changed we do not have any new major businesses on this reservation and you know that troubles me yeah and that's why economic development has become a big focus of my campaign because with that economic development with those new dollars flowing in we are going to be able to trans transform this tribe we're going to be able to do a lot more than what we're doing now Mm -hmm. and it's something that i believe you two should be getting behind that you should be advocating for because I'm sure just like me, you're tired of the status quo. You're tired of things staying the way that they have been for the last 10, 15 years. And you're ready for that change. You're ready to move forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely comes in phases. Um, <clears throat> for me, I think one of the biggest uh, hindrances that we had, like you're, everyone talks about what transparency, uh, we don't get information and, then, then we hear about all the negative things on Facebook, social media. We hear people talk. We hear rumors. People accusing um, people in leadership of not doing a good job of this and that. They're corrupt. And um, so that that's me, me and Chris's first step is towards this. That, that's one of our uh, – we, we bear that burden of just um, transferring information to the public. And I think it always starts there. It always starts with putting people in the know about what's going on. And once people understand, like, what the problems are, we start having healthy discussions I think then we can start making some real progress and stuff like that. But I don't think even um, anyone even knew. I, I don't even think that was a discussion anyone even had. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and you talk about having those healthy discussions, you know, healthy discourse. That comes with the knowledge and understanding that as an individual, as a, you know, as an individual tribal citizen, as I approach this table to have, you know, talk with other tribal members, I need to come with a very unbiased mind, very open mind. And realize that a lot of what I have heard is rumor that I have not seen evidence or anything to back, you know, what I was told. Um, And coming with that open mind and able to have that, you know, that conversation 
and then you know form new opinions based on that conversation obviously if there is evidence to support you know x y and z is presented then you're able to talk at that form form a decision and form an opinion based on some type of authority at that point mm-hmm. um you know you, you you alluded to facebook and things like that yeah you know facebook is you know a social platform that i think you know people need to utilize to stay in contact with one another one another but i think we have taken that 10 steps forward mm-hmm. by you know putting our lives on there by um engaging you know with one another and having very unhealthy discourse about you know a myriad of topics that exist and um you know the whole term you know being a keyboard warrior yeah and you're you're getting to sit there say all these things you know unfiltered unhinged without any authority whatsoever you know you're just you're, you're making statements and it gets people riled up and then it just starts whole snowball you know effect and yeah you know my you know yeah i have a facebook but i don't put post anything uh you know serious on there i don't you know if you have ever visited my page it's very ridiculous you know i, I share some uh, ridiculous things and I, so i don't i don't put my life on there i don't talk about you know anything important because i don't believe that's an appropriate platform for that type of discussion i think that anything with meaning anything that is important we have to have those conversations face to face definitely i agree with yeah that. We, we're trying to you know provide like this I, I look at it like this like a service to the public you know giving, oh, yeah. giving someone a chance to speak and stuff and uh <laughs> one of one of the things i think that's been concerning me as this podcast has continued is you know we have a lot of um I guess like, we have a lot of conversations that I think people are going to start identifying to me and Chris. Um, but I, I don't think um, we're here to like support, to like push too much of like what we believe in. We want to hear what people think. You of know? course. And uh, we want to hear how, how people think. And so, some of the problems that we've had in the past is like, oh, you guys um, think you're somebody, you guys think you're doing this and that. But I, I see it as a service, you know, as a big service to the people. And uh, it's great. It's great to have like a lot of people on here. But one thing I really worry about though is like um is like eluding from or not eluding but um giving out a lot of information that maybe we had someone on that that gave totally bad information and we're at fault for that something that um i hope like we can push for like through you because i kind of see you now as like someone who really is looking for like more of the facts and more of like um, what's true and what's not true um maybe someday you can come back on this podcast and tell us like exactly like where we stand on on the debt within and how much we owe what our plans are on that and uh maybe where we're at with our business and it are are we already having those those discussions we weren't aware of it um maybe like um we're already maybe the, the council was already pushing towards transparency i hate to give off like any images like any bad images on people i'm not i don't want to say people are doing a bad job by any means in, in, in any part of our reservation because um, you know, the podcast is not here to like put like anyone down. So um, hopefully you can come back and show and tell like, look, here's the numbers. Here's what's going on. And here's how we can stay informed. And may- maybe this podcast can grow into something different, you know? I mean, and that that's a great idea. And, you know, if the travel citizens grant me the honor to represent them on council, I have absolutely no problems coming back and having those conversations, you know, about what we are discussing at, at the council table you know what what the priorities are and and you know what have has moved back to the back burner and why those things have moved back to the back burner you know i have no no problem questioning that and i think you know i 
I appreciate what you guys are trying to accomplish within the podcast. Um, you know, there was a individual who would always say you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. So you're always going to have your detractors, but yeah. I, you, you know, you guys have, have it in your heart. You, you know, that your intentions are good with what you're trying to accomplish and, you know, you move forward with it. And, um, you know, I, hopefully I've been a, you know, methodical and, you know, safe with the things that I'm saying, because, you know, I don't want anybody to take what I've said tonight as me bashing anyone, you know, or trying to paint anybody in, in, in a negative light. You know, a lot of what I say is my feeling, you know, my, my opinion. And there are some things that I, you know, I do speak on uh, from authority because I was part of those conversations. But, you know, as I said before, having that dialogue and being able to talk with one another and having that open discussion and, you know what? Um, I'm not going to sit there and say, "Well, no, I didn't say X, Y, and Z." No, I did. I, you know, I will always take um, take full credit for whatever comes out of my mouth and whatever actions that you know I do take. And um, if if in the future I'm able to come back as a council member and you guys have questions on a you know a vote that I participated in, and you know I'll be upfront, you know I voted this way, and I will explain that vote. You know, no, you know, no hesitation about that because that's important. You know, our count, our our tribal citizens need to, you know, hear from our council members as to why they're voting certain ways. And, and so I'm not going to hide be, hide we, behind that. We try to we try to invite people back and stuff, but I think you know sometimes you just get too busy and stuff, and it doesn't happen. But maybe maybe if that transparency doesn't happen and those those discussions about live streaming doesn't happen. Um, you know, feel free to come back on and tell us like, you know, I, I just want to give you guys an update. And, and th this is just a voice. It's a platform, a, a, a form of freedom of speech. And um, it can be a tool. It can be a tool for you and the council as well. I welcome anyone to come on. And, and um, Chris, same way. We'd mm -hmm. like to have anyone that that's interested in keeping people informed and um, just come on and talk about what's going on. You know, you know, and you said it's it, it can be a tool. I can I believe it can be a very effective tool. And I would encourage anybody who's currently on council and who may be elected council to come out and, you know, leverage this tool and yeah. be able to give their thoughts, uh, you know, on whatever is going on within the tribe and what's going on at, at the table. But ensuring that they're doing it in a very respectful manner that, you know, they're open to, you know, criticism, mm -hmm. you know, um, I think that there's we could always do better. Yeah. Um, and you know, we could always learn something. And I always tell people that if you ever get yourself in a situation to where you think you know it all, that there's nothing else you can um learn, you need to leave that job or you need to leave that profession, whatever you're doing, because you should never stop learning as an individual, mm -hmm. you know, and never stop trying to better yourself and never stop trying to, you know, improve your communication with other people. I think I think a lot of times and this is just my observation. A lot of times when you do have conversations and and you you are getting on, you know, uncomfortable subjects, touchy subjects, people come to the table wanting to converse, but they're wanting to do so to respond to everything that you're saying and not come to the table to actually listen and absorb what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So they're they're having those conversations to respond and not to listen. And I think we all have to take a step back have those conversations to listen, to understand where the individual is coming from and, you know, be able to relate to them. Um, too many times people have come to the table and, you know, they're ready to argue or they're ready to be, you know, be firm, you know, with that conversation. But and that's coming to 
come into the conversation to respond. We need to have those conversations to listen. And yeah. and, and unfortunately, too, um, s- some of those people that have the loudest bark are the ones that are always heard. And I, and I think that's like a difficult a way that we live and, and I, we get more excitement out of that. Yeah. Uh, the person who was the loudest at the table and they, they went home and they told their family, I told so-and-so this and I told them it wasn't going to work. I said yeah. this and I said that. They don't listen. How many times have I told them I'm done with this and, and they have this image, you know, and um, who knows how many people are following them. And, and it may and it may have been like a biased opinion or an un- uneducated thought and stuff like that. Uh, it's just, I guess it's just a part of life and stuff. But- well, I mean, like anybody who's sitting at that council table, you got to understand that you're just one opinion. You're one of one voice of eight council members and your vice president and president. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some days you're going to carry the argument and sometimes you're going to lose the argument or debate, whatever, however you want to frame it. Um, uh, but as long as you're sitting there and you're representing the people by speaking up and, you know, expressing your concerns or if you support something, why do you support it? As long as you're doing your job and speaking up and getting those concerns heard or, you know, having that conversation, both pros and cons, you know, you shouldn't leave that table with any negative feeling and saying, like you were saying, well, I told them this and that. I mm-hmm. No, if you sit there, you have those those respectful conversations, you, you know, you're able to dialogue with one, one another and you sit there to listen, to understand, you should never leave that table with any negative feelings. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of times people are trying to force their way of thinking, the way they view things on others. And then when you're trying to force things, obviously, you're always going to have that resistance. Yeah. And so coming to that table, very open mind, very unbiased, you know, we're going to have a conversation. I'm going to listen to each one of you. I'm going to absorb what you're saying. And then, you know, I may agree with you or I, or, or, or I may not, but it doesn't affect our relationship, our professional relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. To turn the table That's a little a- bit, I haven't heard any um, negative like feedback on the, the council that's already there. If they communicate that way, I don't know about it. Um, I've heard about it in the past, uh, and and I don't remember how many years ago, but I remember hearing a lot of complaints about. And there was like a lot of like bickering and arguing in in the those meetings, but I haven't heard much of that lately. I don't know if they're just getting better or what. You know, and I and I've heard that about councils in the past, and you you said that, you know the bickering, the arguing that's been taking place. You know, our council now, um, I haven't heard heard of any instances myself, but I you know there are disagreements, obviously, and. Um, you know, I can't speak to how they resolve those differences at the table before they leave, but I haven't seen you know anything to where they're arguing about it outside that council chambers mm-hmm. or where anybody's gotten up and, you know, at the top of their lungs yelled or anything like that, which is good yeah. because we don't need that at our council tables that, you know, that doesn't do anything to benefit this tribe when we as council members allow our emotions to get the best of us and we lose our professionalism and start, you know, arguing, going off cuff and just saying whatever, you know, trying to hurt somebody, you know, that doesn't benefit our people. We always have to be uh, reserved. We have to be methodical and not only in our thinking, but in the, in the things that we say and to ensure that whatever we do at that table, it's going to lend to the betterment of the tribe and of the people. Is there a particular meeting that you remember the most that stands out while you're there? I mean, uh, to be honest, like there are a number 
of meetings that stand out where I've had conversations. And it's just because I think back to people that are no longer here and have having, um, you know, having debate with them or, you know, just conversing with them. Uh, you know, I will obviously I'm never going to forget my first council meeting. Uh-huh. I will never forget that meeting, you know, come, being sworn in, sitting down at the table. And, we, you know, it was a very short agenda that day. But, you know, being able to speak up the first time and, you know, having people listening to you and then um, being them providing that feedback. You know, I'll, I'll never forget that first council meeting. And then I will never forget the last council meeting I, I was in because, you know, I I was leaving council. I was leaving Mescalero to go take the deputy secretary of Indian Affairs position in Santa Fe. And, um, you know, the the whole meeting itself was very um, casual. You know, there was nothing that we as a council at the time were, you know, having any any divisions about. And, you know, just the encouraging words that were said, the the lessons that were, you know, last minute lessons that were passed on. And, you know, I will never forget that Mm -hmm. as well. So, um, you know, and I look back to, you know, I, like I said, there were, there are a number of council meetings. I I think of sometimes the meetings that I sat in when we were finalizing, um, the refinancing on the ends debt, when, you know, we were able going to, we were going to be able to not only pay interest, but also the principal and, you know, just the conversation that occurred there and, you know, even in our subcommittee meetings and meeting with some of the programs and, you know, hearing what they were doing, yeah. you know, within their departments. And, you know, I think back to think, think about all these things all the time. And, um, but, but the ones that stand out the most are my first and last council meeting. Nice. That's awesome. Uh, <clears throat> we, we talk a lot about like when we first start the podcast, like our original intention was like, let's, let's just talk about like, um, people that are doing good jobs and this let's get everyone pat, pat on the back and stuff and then slowly we kind of got like people like oh good job you're running for council you know and then now we're kind of taking like a, a little bit of a, a pivot and we're starting to have like more people running for tribal council positions and stuff this is awesome and stuff and i and i think it's it's hard for me to um like steer clear from like being like too negative at times because i do want to complain but at the same time i'm like well good job for you and uh, this is a hard this is a hard dance to follow but what i'm what i'm starting to like really appreciate about this is what we're doing now like having like um since you know good discussion you know me and chris and you we may not have the same idea on like some of the things like we all talk about but um if if i can take a, a good takeaway from this and it would be like um you're you're probably the perfect person to have this conversation with but it's to promote healthy discussion like we talked about earlier oh yes yeah and it's so hard to do because um you know like if you mention anything that someone doesn't agree with what is it like you said keep keyboard keyboard warrior and um they they start talking about like how you shouldn't be in there and how like um maybe, maybe this idea won't work because of this we don't need that and, and, and everyone's a critic um but one thing that i want to give you a, a lot of um i guess like applause for is just the fact that you come on and you speak your mind very mm-hmm. very fluidly like very open and stuff and even though like you know there's a couple of times where i was like um oh, i wouldn't do it like this and then you you backed up and you didn't get mad you just stayed calm about it and it's cool and i i appreciate uh, a conversation like that way more than someone who's like hard-headed about their idea and it's like okay your idea is not my idea but at the end of the day we can all get along I, we don't have to go home and get on facebook and, and bash each other about it um so there's there is a lot of positive i'm starting to learn there's a lot of positivity about having like more of these political discussions i told chris i was like i don't know if i want to do any of those political type 
um, in the beginning. And he was like, it's not, I know it won't be bad. Let's just, let's just have him on see how it goes. And uh, Chris kind of like steers me here and there sometimes because I'm always hesitant to move left or right. But it, it's turned out to be a positive. I think it is. I think. Well, I, and you know, I come to, and believe it or not, you know, I come to any discussion or anything that I'm doing, you know, as someone I, as, that doesn't know it all. Sometimes I act like it, but I assure you that I do not know it all. And, you know, I'm always willing to be corrected. I'm always willing to learn. And, you know, that's the approach I have taken for the last 10 years, ever since, you know, I was in Santa Fe. Um, because, you know, th- you're dealing with a whole different crowd there. And you have to be able to be level-headed. And you have to have be able to have those respectful uh, conversations um, if you want anything done. And so, you know, those are things that I learned off the reservation coming back. And, um, yeah, so somebody doesn't agree with me, you know, that's awesome. You know, what, well, what's on your mind? You tell me, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, I may not agree with that too, but there's always middle ground that we can move forward on. And, you know, that's what we need to be, whether it's in life, in politics, we should always be trying to find that middle ground where we can move forward together, support one another, Rather than having, you know, like you said, the, the hard-headed individuals and those factions just like, no, my way is right. And that's the only way, you know, that does nothing to promote healthy society and, you know, healthy conversations and does nothing to push this tribe forward mm-hmm. when you when you have those type of mindsets. I, um, I hear like some of the stories and stuff outside where people will tell me about what they heard about the tribal council and this person's out to get that person and, and, and um this person doesn't like this person so they're trying to get this person fired and or this person got this person suspended and, and it's hard it's, it's really hard to sit back and listen to all, all of that kind of like that talk and i i wish some of the conversations would, would shift and be like did you hear about this new idea that this person is trying to put through and and stuff like that and and i i want to hi- really highlight a lot of the the ideas and stuff that people get and i think that's why i'm really hoping that you come back and then you tell us like how things are going to so like we can start um, really understanding what's going on in the chambers and not have to like listen to rumor and hearsay and you know and stuff and what were we talking about last week or last month or wherever, and it's it's just I get nervous because of other people's perception. I used to think that I'm not qualified to have these conversations, and I was thinking like I know nothing about politics. I know nothing about how this tribe runs. I've been gone for like ten years with college and the army. I, who am I? But then I realized like. Maybe I'm the best person for this conversation because I don't know anything and I'm going to ask all the dumb questions, you know. So um, as someone who doesn't know anything about what's going on, um, I think maybe I'm, I'm a better candidate to like ha- ask and put on pause. There's probably people listening and they're like, this this guy's an idiot. He should have, he should run like this or say this or ask that. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying here. I'm trying. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, if there's something that you don't understand, you need to ask those questions and they're not dumb questions, and, you know. You, you need to build a foundation for you to develop your own educated opinion on whatever is being discussed. And, you know, you, you alluded to earlier, you know, we always hear rumors um, of, you know, people getting elected and they have an agenda there to settle vendettas, to get back at people. Yeah, know, we got um, we to stomp you know, it somehow. My, we so get, my get whole thing is if your agenda and your platform is to get onto council so that way you can harm someone else, that is not a leader. Mm. You do not do that. You are there to promote and to build alliance of every single tribal member, even those people who talk bad about you, who yeah. don't like like you, who may detract uh, uh, from you. Your responsibility as a leader 
is to place everybody in a position to be successful in life and to live a very healthy life. And it's just like being in a position in a supervisory position. You're not there just to collect a paycheck, to talk down to people and to get rid of those that you don't like. Your job as a supervisor, as a leader, is to promote those around you, to put them in a position that they could one day take your job and, or and you know advance themselves. And I think you look at that aspect, it's always gonna keep you on your toes. You're always gonna be wanting to do more, not only for yourself, but for those around you. Never, never, never should it be your goal to get on council, to get in the presidency, vice presidency, to settle vendettas. You do that, that negativity will spread through this tribe mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard to kill. And yeah. we don't need that. We need leaders who are going to be there to promote and develop all those people around them, all of our tribal citizens. We are there to better their lives, not just a certain group of people. Yeah. It's for every single tribal member that lives lives on this reservation. That's awesome. It's tough. It's tough to deal with the perception of like, of the the tribal council and the tribe and stuff because you know like it's it happens all the time in the hallways or at, at work or at home and maybe at the next like these people people do talk and um so, and it bothers me a lot like it's just always like let's complain 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 but what are we going to do to change it uh, me and chris is you know we're, we're trying to change it we're trying to change that dialogue with this platform here and well I mean, you, you you ask how you can play, it can change it as you're as you're using right here your platform, ensuring that that dialogue is going to be positive, that it's going to lend to the betterment of uh, you know your listeners. That's a huge step in the right direction. Like you said, yeah, people can continue to complain and complain, complain, but you have to understand that some families that's the way they're raised. You know, that's what they heard from mom and dad. And so, it, you know, coming down to them, they think that's appropriate. But, you know, being able to have a platform like this and showing them, giving them an example of what healthy conversation is like, mm-hmm. you know, and knowing that we don't have to thrive on the negativity. We don't have to thrive on complaints. There are more effective ways for us to thrive and better our lives. And that's through the healthy conversation and looking at the positive in life and I think you said it earlier. We don't spend enough time pointing out that positive. We don't. We don't spend enough time uh, recognizing individuals when they have those major accomplishments in life. And I agree with you. We need to do that. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, uh, you know, we have people who sit there and they say they they go back to that whole saying, "The grass is greener on the other side." And so that tells me what your what that individual is doing is that they're worried about what the, you know, their neighbors are doing. You know, why is their grass greener? What are they doing? Maybe they're cheating. Maybe they're you know, getting kickbacks, whatever. Rather than looking at their own lawn, their own grass, and doing what they need to do to make that grass green, yeah. they're worried over here. Yeah. And then, you know, you also have people who will sit there and say, you know, all these bad things are happening. It's 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 these people's fault. Mm-hmm. But... They never come back to us as an individual. We are, we as individuals, we have our own roles to play in our lives. And we are accountable for 100% of everything that happens in our life. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we, it's not like somebody made, made me speed. I did that myself. Uh Or it's not, you know, nobody made me late. I did that myself. I didn't wake up on time. 
or if I'm at work and I'm not performing, you know, that falls back on me. It's not anybody else. And so we have to understand that. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, when, when we look at life, there's, there's, there's a school of thought out there that I always like to promote. And, um, you know, it's stoicism, meaning, uh, looking at life and understanding and realizing that the only thing we as individuals have control over is our mind. Mm -hmm. Anything outside that we have no control over. So why do you worry about it? Somebody, somebody, you know, said something negative to you. Somebody flipped you off. Oh, well, I, I choose to, you know, be to move forward and focus on things that are important. Um, and I think that if more, more, more of us, would subscribe to that way of thinking. Yeah. I think that a lot of the petty things that we can, uh, you know, continually get bogged down on, you know, they won't, they won't be issues. It, un, knowing and understanding that we have the power to decide whether or not we're going to have a good day or a bad day. Definitely. You know, I agree with that. But, um, so if you, if you make it through this, this next round, do you, do you feel like, um, you've been gone just like, a short brief time and you're ready to to sit at the table and, and be comfy or do you feel like you're kind of nervous again to join the group i i will say that i i am not nervous at all um i am actually looking forward to being able to take part in the discussion and have meaning meaningful dialogue on the issues that are facing our tribe i want to be able to you know whatever expertise that i hold in my head you know throughout my you, about, throughout my career to bring lessons learned, you know, best practices to the table and be able to implement those to move the tribe forward. I'm ready to have those conversations. I'm ready to work with my fellow council members to push this tribe forward. I'm ready to implement a strategic plan and start seeing, you know, forward progression of this tribe in a year, two, three, four, and five. I am done being okay with the status quo that has been exist that has existed here. Mm -hmm. I am done not seeing new houses built. I am done not seeing, you know, no development in our or diversification in our tribal economy. If I I pledge that if on that council, I am gonna drive every month to try to push this tribe forward inch by inch and and not look back and say, oh, I've been here six months. What have we done? I want to be able to sit here and say, okay, within six months, within 12 months, within a year, this is how much progress we have made as a council, as a tribe. Yeah. You know, my, my whole thing is if I'm being entrusted, entrusted with this responsibility, I'm not just going to sit there, you know, uh, collect a stipend and not do anything. Mm. I would, I, I would feel completely bad about that. Yeah. I'm running because I want to see change. I'm running because I want to exact change here in Mescalero. And I want to be able to encourage my fellow tribal members, encourage the administration to get on board, to be as vigorous as I am, to want to push this tribe forward. You know, we used to be a leader in Indian country when it came to uh, economics. The late Wendell Chino coined a phrase, red economics, because at that time, Mescalero was a leader in business development on the reservation. There is no reason why we cannot return to that, to an era of being a leader of business development on a reservation. We have the resources, we have the land, we have the professional talent. It's time for us to start leveraging all those tools that are at our disposal. Definitely, I agree. What uh, what were your numbers on your last vote? You said you have to work in the numbers. 
So uh, on the primary, I tied with uh, Mr. Brasuelas, and I think we both got like uh, 179, if I remember correctly. And um, so I think him and I came in like sixth and seventh or mm -hmm. fifth and sixth, somewhere <clears throat> around there. So obviously with this next round of voting, in order for me to be elected to council, I will have to be uh, one of the top four vote getters. So mm -hmm. I do have to make up some ground there. And, you know, hopefully I will be able to make up that ground. And like I said, um, be given the honor to represent our people on the council. Did you just not campaign enough or how do you, um, what do you think? I, I, I would say, you know, I didn't campaign enough. Um, you know, um, I think a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say, I think I know a lot of people didn't realize that I was running oh. uh, until election day. And some of them, after they had voted, like, I didn't even see your name on there. I was just voting real quick. I didn't know you're running. And so, uh, you know, obviously it's incumbent upon myself to do some more, more campaigning. And, you know, I'm in the middle of drafting a letter that I hope to get out to our, our tribal citizens to lay out some of my platform and, you know, the things that I'm passionate about that I want to see happen here on the res that are going to better benefit them, you know, and their families. And so the, uh, well, the next, the, the next voting is, is coming up next week, right? November 8th. Yeah. Right? November 8th. So we bought about what, 10 days out. Did, yeah. did we say nice. the date wrong with Jacob? I think we said like November 6th or something like that. No, that, that that's when he's going to be, um, in front of the plaza, Jacob. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was like, dude, I, I don't no, know that's right. I think okay. we got it right. Yeah. November eighth is whenever. Okay, so that that you better get the letter out quick. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Coming up to coming up down to the wire, but yeah, you know, I I tend to be when it comes to things like this, I tend to be a, a perfectionist, and I've gone through you know at least half a dozen iterations of the letter, mm -hmm. and you know, I'm always going back and um, editing and trying to polish up and trying to make sure that I'm getting my ideas across <laughs> yeah. and it sounds good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you won't, you won't use a Facebook at all to campaign? Or? Oh no. I, I, like I said, I, um, I look at Facebook as, um, you know, it's a meeting to stay in touch with people, yeah. but the, I don't, my personal Facebook, I don't use that, um, to sit there and give out or, or, use it as a platform for discussion on, you know, serious topics. I, see, I would yeah. rather have those conversations face to face. You know, my, uh, my first campaign, I did have like a, um, a, a little Q and a session and, you know, I would love to do that again if time permits. And so people can, you know, travel citizens can come meet with me. They can ask, ask me questions and I can provide those, you know, my responses and hopefully it'll be responses that they, that, you know, they agree with and they would support and, you know, hopefully support my candidacy, you know, moving forward. Um, but yeah, I, I don't look as faith at, at Facebook as a, an appropriate platform to get, yeah. you know, important information out. I agree. Yeah, I, I, I agree too. Yeah. It's, it's, and then you kind of put yourself out well, there too for a little bit and then people can take your words and change the tone or, or like, you know, do a little bit of cyberbullying on you and there's nothing you can do back because it's just a post and you, you might not stoop to that level. I don't know, but I don't think it's healthy either. I think it's better like you use platforms kind of like this or you can hear your voice and your tone. Oh, and, oh yeah. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've been there before and you know, my, my, my thing is I never respond to the negativity. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, if an individual is already out there attacking you, you know, they're not going to listen to listen. They're going to, yeah. they're going to wait for your response so that they can respond and, you know, see what else they can try to throw at you to bring you down. But if you sit there, you, you do nothing, you move on, you know, what your, what your goals are in life, 
you know, you, you want to be happy, you, you you take away all their power. Yeah, yeah. right. You know, I'm um, I'm at a point in my life where uh, I'm not too. I think I don't know I've talked about this to Chris where I'm like comfortable now. I kind of just don't care anymore, like what people are saying or thinking, because I'm happy. Oh you yeah, know? I'm happy with what I'm doing. I think it's important, like you said, stick with your goals and stay happy with what's going on, and you won't worry too much. And I'm I'm glad I'm glad you're running. You know, you got you got a strong drive for what's going on, and you seem happy as well. You seem like you're ready to lead, and um, you've you've got it. You got it kind of like mapped out in your head. And I'm very very curious to see like how it runs. Like say you do make that top four and you get in there. Um, I I keep telling people that come on the podcast like I'm really curious to see what you have to say like a month after you've been in there, and they you know and I see it every time they got all these ideas and these this motivation and you get there I don't I honestly don't know what happens because I feel like um, I don't see that end come out because like I, I told the other guys maybe you were too busy maybe it's more of a reactionary position then you get to be proactive in there. <clears throat> And you're always putting out fires. I don't know. I'd like to know how hard it is in there. It's got to be difficult. It's got to be difficult just to hold that position. And, and, you know, and having the experience being on council before, you know, yeah, I have I have these ideas. I know what my platform is and I know what I'm going to drive for. But I'm also a realist. Like I said, I'm only in one voice amongst, mm. you know, eight other or, you know, nine other people. It has to be hard and, to work with all of them. And it's incumbent upon me to be able to take all this in my head, translate it into appropriate verbiage to get these guys to understand why it's important, why I have a passion for the things that I have a passion for and be convincing enough that, okay, yeah, we can support that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, council members are opposed to economic development. I think it's just getting the right people at the table, uh, you know, to, to unite behind a central idea and then moving forward. I think that's what it is. I think getting the right the right mixture of people. I used to complain a lot. I used to rant. I used to go on these long rants about like how our tribe isn't being run right. And um, recently I reflected on like, what, what am I doing? I'm yeah. not even, I'm just ranting about people that I think I know more than and I'm, I'm judging all these people that, that I think, and I, I'm not running. I'm not making a difference there and stuff. And so um, I recently started to have like a lot more respect for people that are running, getting to know what they're going through and coming home, talking to them and seeing how they feel. And I think it's a different type of experience until you're there. Oh yeah. And, and it's true. And, and you know, I might, I might've been naive in those, those moments when I was doing my ranting about how we're, it's so easy to do though. It's so easy to sit back and get upset and be like, these people are, these people are stupid because of this. They, they don't, they don't know how to think ahead. They don't know how to live in the modern time and stuff. But um, I think you're absolutely right about having the right mixture because our older, our older people, they they're already in there they're going to know how it's done they're going to know traditions and culture and family and they're going to be experienced and they're smart and then you got like younger people that are running now which is cool and they're they're going to know they're going to have a different perspective and like like you have a you have you're you're pretty well versed you're like in the middle because you have experience but you're a little bit younger you kind of looking like more like modern i feel like your, your idea is a little bit more modern and stuff but i i keep saying that i think it's just going to come down to the right blend it's it's got to make that right team and I think we can have a super effective tribal council um, if you had just that right blend of people there. Oh, and I, I totally agree with you. Um, you know, we've had it in the past and we were super successful in the past. And um, it, it, like I said, it just kind of seems like we've been waiting water for the last, you know. Yeah. How many, what, 10, 15 years. And, yeah. you know, eventually you wait water long enough, you get tired and then you flounder, you know. 
and we don't want the stripe to sink. You know, we we want it to be able to succeed and become a leader in Indian country so that you, and we want it to be able to be in a position that all of our tribal members are benefiting, that they all have homes, that they're, they have access to good infrastructure, that they have um, access to various jobs, you know, very diverse job market here on this reservation that they can pursue their passions and, you know, work their way up those corporate ladders and, you know, pave a way for those behind them. Um, you know, you, you look on the outside, there, there used to be so many avenues for people to build themselves, you know, to become wealthy. You know, but within the last 10, 20 years, those people, once they've gotten up there, they have pulled those ladders up behind them. And it makes it harder for those that are trying to build themselves to get to those positions, mm -hmm. you know. And so I want to make sure that there's plenty of avenues and plenty of ladders that our tribal members can climb to better themselves, to better their families. Nice. Well, we talk, talked about a lot. Um, I asked this question to each candidate, but I want to ask you and if you could maybe answer it as simple as possible but why why should a tribal member vote for you as simple as possible huh? <laughs> <laughs> so i you know and i've had these conversations before and and you know i've had the opportunity looking uh you know travel the eyes of travel citizens while i answer this and you know i am asking for your support because i believe i bring a good mixture of experience and realism to the table and understanding the way that the council operates, the, tri the way the tribe operates. <clears throat> I believe that my professional experience has placed me in a very unique position to contribute healthy conversation to the issues that are affecting this tribe. You know, as I said, I, I served a year and a half on council. Then I became a deputy secretary of Indian Affairs for the state of New Mexico. And I worked with the 19 Pueblos, the th uh, three Apache tribes and 54 uh, chapters of the Navajo Nation. And, you know, and within that role, we were able to tackle issues such as infrastructure development, um, constructing roads, uh, you know, extending power lines, uh, business development, you know, being able to look at the the various resources that each tribe has and leveraging those resources to build new businesses or expand tourism. Um, you know, I've, I started my own consulting company and I've, I've participated in a number of conversations on how the issues that exist here in Mescalero and, you know, very innovative and unique ways on addressing those issues. Um, you know, um, and so, you know, studying, of being a political science major in college it it set me up to understand how the federal government works and you know how to be proactive and going after those things that we are passionate about you know and i look at the issues that our tribe is facing and i think that i have a good understanding and i have the professional experience to be able to say okay for this we need to go talk to this person in this department you know, uh, for these these projects here, there's this pot of money that exists that we need to start going after and realizing that, you know, is long gone are the days when you write a grant proposal and you get a grant. I understand that these grants are competitive and that we have to be sure that whoever's writing these grants, they're, they're very good technical writers and that we as a tribe are willing to put up you know, our financial contribution, put that skin in the game to show whether it's, you know, federal funders, state funders, private funders, that we are serious about what we're trying to get money for and, you know, land those grants. 
Um, you know, I think that, you know, looking at the way I'm able to converse, have those conversations, I don't care, you know, if you're black, brown, pink, yellow, green, blue, or purple, that I'm, I can have a conversation just like we are having and articulate the needs of our tribe and, you know, what we are trying to accomplish. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not afraid to sit there and debate people in Santa Fe, sit there and debate people in Washington. I can do it on their level. Yeah. And, you know, I want to be able to take my professional experience, my educational experience and leverage those resources to be a better advocate for this tribe, to be a better fighter for this tribe and be a better leader, you know, with the council. And so I am asking for the support of our tribal citizens because I believe that I am one of the best suited candidates to be elected to council and to help drive this tribe forward. That's awesome. Very well said. <laughs> you got anything else? No. Um, I would just like to say, like, I think um, if, you know, if you make it in there, I think uh, I'd be like extremely excited because in, in the past years, I think a lot of the people didn't have this kind of opportunity to to kind of push ideas. I think a lot of the um, previous tribal council members were dealing with, you know, the, the reaction to COVID and things like that. I think now we're kind of like in, in kind of like trying to lift up i think our feet are starting to get off the ground again and so i think you have like a good opportunity to <laughs> implement those ideas now and we're not so focused on being reactionary anymore so uh, if you get in there i'm excited to see what you can do and, and bring to the table and work with that team and stuff like that and um, hopefully like i said you come back and you let us know how it's going oh yeah I, i'm willing to come back what well, even even if i'm not on council i'm willing mm -hmm. to come back and just have a conversation about it you know whatever yeah. you I, you know, I love to have my brain picked and, you know, what do you think about this and that? And mm -hmm. so, yeah, counsel or not, I'm always willing to come back to have those conversations and, you know, bounce those ideas off one another, you know, just so that we can, this is a tool, as you said, you know, it gets your ideas out there. It gets people thinking and mm -hmm. it's a, it's a great platform to start raising the, the level of conversation that is occurring out there. You know, ensuring that we are having respectful conversation and open conversation, meaningful conversation, and that we are listening to one another to listen to one another and not just to respond. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think we can talk for a long time. This is one of the longest podcasts that we have and <laughs> that we've had, especially with um, a tribal council candidate and stuff. And it's hard to end it. You know, I'm sure um, people are probably listening to this now and they're like, dude, when are you guys going to shut up? <laughs> I know. I, yeah. There, there's definitely a lot more that I can say about yeah. a, you know, vast majority, a vast array of topics, but I know we don't have all the time in the world. And I, <laughs> like you said, this has definitely been one of the longest podcasts you have done. And you know, my apologies. I do like, Oh no, it's been great. It's been great. I, don't know I appreciate everything. You, I don't you know said. if I'm leading Chris on too much. Well, I always wonder like how much patience Chris has. With oh me. no, I got, I'm a patient guy. <laughs> Oh, I, I definitely enjoyed it and you yeah. know I, I is there anything we might have missed oh but i mean i think that we hit all you know the main points of yeah. why i'm running you know why i would enjoy the privilege of being a council member and you know what my platform is and what i want to you know achieve as a council member um but you know is there anything that you guys are stewing about like maybe i have a burning question you know I don't have any burning questions. I try to get them all out during the podcast. Um, but the like I said, just the biggest concern I have is like, I hope um, we can start utilizing this for a little bit of transparency and like facts. And I, I hate like putting my opinion on things I know nothing about. 
but I, at the same time, I want to ask the question. So I hope um, if you do get in there, we can utilize you and maybe get like a lot more truths out there and stuff. Cause I just don't know. I, I don't know enough to um, criticize or to say this and that. And I have my feelings, but I don't know if I should say them, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I, I totally, totally understand that. I've, I'm constantly asked questions about certain things that are going on within the rest, within the tribe. And, and I'm just like, you know what? I don't have all the information. I don't, you know, even have any facts to make an opinion or formulate mm-hmm. an opinion on what's going on. You know, I just have to trust that our tribal leaders are doing what they believe is right in the best interest of this tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, individuals, you know, I don't, I don't sit there and form opinions about individuals based on the words of others. I mean, if we're able to, uh, you know, come up, be respectful, have a conversation, you know, I, I, you know, I have respect. I don't, you know, I don't sit there and base my opinion on others, you know, based on what other people are telling me. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, I think I wish more people would, go, you know, operate that way, but um, hopefully we'll get there, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, and I'm not like, um, at, like asking like too, like, I hope I'm not asking too much. I'm just concerned, you know, um, and I'm concerned for the truth and stuff like that. Um, it's, it's hard to be in this position that me and Chris are in. And to kind of like formulate conversations without um, pointing fingers or speculating too much. And it's it's hard to be like kind of like neutral in those ideas and stuff. And I get worried. I get a little worried sometimes because I don't want to, um, like I said, speak on something I just don't know about. And then I got like bad info out there. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just concerned that I hope people and I, I want to thank you for this conversation because it's bringing up more thoughts and I'm formulating more thoughts as we go. And then I'm hoping that I can start, we can start inviting more people on that can talk about truth now instead of just like asking questions now. Because oh, yeah. this, this podcast kind of like pushed me into wondering like more questions and I want more answers now and, and stuff. And that's why I keep saying, I hope you guys come back. I hope you guys come back, especially if you make it in and you got more like information to give us. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be um, hungry for more info after this conversation also. Oh, yeah. you. I will definitely come back if that invitation is extended. Uh, you know, if I'm lucky enough to get get elected to the council and, uh, you know, I have nothing to hide. What are you going to have for food at your booth? <laughs> what am I going to, you know, we're thinking of chili and fry bread. We've also tossed, you know, brisket and oh, it's no. like a chili and fry bread war. Oh, I, I, you know, and, you know, I, I understand setting up booths, you know, it's an opportunity for candidates to engage the tribal citizens and lay out their platform. But, you know, a part of me also feels like we're buying boats. With <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's it's like, oh, okay, who makes the best chili? Okay, I'm voting for the no, That I'm, comes with the nature of yeah, Mescalero, Apache right? people. That's we just the food. way we have We want food and, t- and t-shirts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whatever free shirt you can give me. Yeah, so, I I mean, uh, we, we haven't set our menu yet, but he, we, we were considering a few few options, so... Um, definitely stop by, stop by the booth, ask me more questions. You know, those, th- those of you that are listening out there, please stop by on election day, talk to me and, you know, pick my brain, ask me your questions. If there's, if there are any issues that we didn't touch on tonight, please bring those issues on election day. And, you know, I'll provide the best answer that I can, you know, within the, within the moment and whatever we have there at the, at our booth, please help yourself to you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dwayne. Oh, any oh, shout outs to anybody yeah. that supported you along the way? So there's been a myriad of individuals that have supported me along the way. You know, um, I, have to, I have to give a shout out to, you know, Mark Chino. He, he definitely gave me a lot of 
guidance and you know tutelage when I was first elected to council. I have to give give a, a shout out to you know a lot of the council members aren't with us like you know the late Fred Chino, the late Pete Kaiji, the late Sandra Platero, you know um, the late uh, Pete Kaiji. I think I've already said his name, but Alfred LaPaz, and these are people who really uh, laid the foundation of what you know what count what your do's and don'ts are on council and you know where where your lane is and to stay in that lane and you know i cannot thank them enough for everything that they taught me in my life you know i and you know i look at uh, you know former president danny gringer and um all the things that he's taught me and he's really taught me how to have a have a level head and you know especially when things get stressful and you know i can't thank him enough for that um you know, my family, uh, my mom, my brothers, my sisters, my mom has always been that conscious there and has helped me stay grounded. There are many times when I've wanted to react in anger or, or say something back. She's like, no, you don't do that. Just mm -hmm. leave it alone. Just, it, it, you know, it'll it'll pass. And so, you know, and then, of course, my extended family as a whole, because they've always been encouraging. They've always you know, same thing. Been that conscience and like, don't, don't, don't worry about what people are saying. Don't, don't worry about what people are doing. You just do the best you can. And I mean, there, there's a, a lot of people I can sit here, you know, because that I can thank just because I learn from everybody that I come in contact with, and you know, the conversations that we have. So, for, for nice. those of uh, the people that don't know, what's your mom's name? So my mom is June Denny, and my father is the late Shelby Duffy. So my grandparents on my mom's side are the late Mabel Big Rope Botella and the late Leon Botella. And then my dad's side, my late grandmother is the late Martha Botella. I meant Martha Duffy, sorry. <laughs> I have to give a, a, plug, a plug to your mom. She's one of the sweetest people I've ever yeah. met in my entire life. Um, even when I, I think I was like five or four, I don't remember. Like I was real, one of my earliest memories of anyone, um, your mom pulled me aside and I don't know if she remembers this, but she said, uh, you don't you don't call me June. You call me uh, grandma. Yeah, and, uh, that was um, like my first taste of like uh, adopting a grandma that wasn't really like my blood grandma. Yeah, <laughs> she's the sweetest lady. But um, yeah, um, big shout out to all your support, your family and friends. Um, good luck to you. Um, I wish you I wish you the best. And uh, I think you got a lot to bring to the table. Thank you. I appreciate that. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Dwayne. Appreciate you being on the show. If there's nothing else, I guess we'll get into 10 fun questions of the res. Oh, wrap it up. <laughs> you ready? You've sure. heard it before. 10 fun questions. Sure. No right or wrong answer. Whatever yeah. comes to your mind first. So um, first question, hunting or fishing? Hunting. Definitely hunting. <laughs> um, Broken Arrow Tap House or Windows? Ooh. I think I prefer Broken Arrow just because it has a more laid back atmosphere. <laughs> uh, tribal store, Casino Apache, Travel Center store. Tribal store. It's the only place you can get that Longhorn cheese. And bologna. <laughs> and, yep. uh, um, uh, Club 49 or Actual Feast 49? Actual Feast 49. Nice. <laughs> okay. Um, Stuff fry bread or fry bread with a bowl of chili? Stuff fry bread. All right. Uh, favorite booth at the feast? Ooh, that's a good one. Think back to like from when you were younger, because some of the booths are gone. Okay, so when I was thinking, if you if you give me that far to think back, you know, I used to always love getting meat burritos from the late John Hubbard's booth. Oh, I don't nice. know if you guys ever had a burrito from there, but the meat I burrito. Think, I think I remember. The yeah. Best. Yeah. <laughs> All I cared about was the arcade. The arcade. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, my favorite thing about Mescalero is... You know, when people always ask me to tell us about Mescalero, the first thing I start talking about is the land. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell them we live in God's country because I, I truly believe that. You know, you look at our sacred white mountain and you think you consider, you know, that's the tallest peak in southern New Mexico, probably the southwest United States. Mm-hmm. You go from, you know, very tundra-like, uh, you know, land up there. You can go towards three rivers, becomes desert. You go out to the eastern side of the reservation rangeland. We have such a diverse ecology here that, you know, our land is absolutely beautiful. And, um, you know, one of my favorite places to be is when you go up to Santa Guita and you park in that little knoll below the fire lookout tower and just taking in the majesty of White Mountain, but then turning around and being able to see the reservation and just just how beautiful that is you know i i think our people are truly truly blessed with the reservation that we have definitely okay i'm most thankful for i am most thankful you know for my life every day that i get to wake up every day that i get to experience something new every day that i get to see the people i care and love about um, you know, I am thankful for that. I'm thankful for that big angle and done allows me to wake up every morning, you know, and experience another day. Nice. Okay. Last question. I am Dwayne Duffy and I love. Ooh, I am Dwayne Duffy and I love food and I have a stomach to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you have it. Ladies and gentlemen, Dwayne Duffy. Thank you for being on the podcast. We appreciate you. Make sure all the trial members go out and vote November 8th. And we'll talk to you next time on right on the wall podcast. Thank you. All right. As you probably know by now, you're listening to a podcast. You get a chance for some of the unique stories out there um, to be heard. And if anything, inspire our community.